Amen. Y'all better not give up on God. If he did that with us, there would be no Sunday gathering. Don't give up on him because he will not and have not and has not given up on you. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. So glad to be able to see um, many more of you. Um, I know that we've had those that have been tuning in online and live stream, and yet it is also good to see the faces of folk and more folk as well. We praise God for progress in how things are coming along and are, and are being handled, and we praise God for what he is doing among us. Amen? Oh, come on. Yeah, I sound like I got three people out there. Now, I do remember where there was none of you out there, and I was not expecting an amen. I was talking to a camera, and me and Brother Tavani were it. That was it. And yet today, God has us here and in growing number as we are able um, to begin the process of coming back. So I thank God. I'm going to have just a time of prayer for us, and then we are going to be blessed this morning by our sister Patrice um, as we continue to allow God to, to bless us as we gather. Can I ask us to stand, please, those of you who are able? Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you because your hand has always been there. Lord, you've not left us at all. You've never given up on us. And Father, you haven't left us. We thank you for your strong hand in this process from beginning and even up until now. We know it's not over, and yet, Lord, we thank you for the progress that you've allowed. We thank you for a vaccine. We thank you for, God, giving the ingenuity and the intellect, oh God, to be able to come up with something, Lord, that combats this virus. Thank you, Lord, that it is you who is at work. Father, I know we are putting things into practice, but Lord, it is you who has given us everything that we need, oh God, and we thank you today, oh Lord, for how you've continued to protect and work in our lives. Father, yes, we are aware that there have been many, oh Lord, that have gone on from here, and yet, God, you are still faithful. You are still good. Your goodness was never questioned. If it was, oh God, we should squash it quickly because we see your history. We see your hand. We see your help, Lord. We see your character. And so we thank you this morning, Father, for this great weather. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to gather. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to worship you. And for those at home, thank you that they can tune in, Father, by live stream. And so we are able to continue to bless those. God, we commit ourselves, Lord, unto you. Lord, this morning we ask you to forgive us, O oh God, where we doubted you. Lord, where we've faltered. Father, where we've allowed our humanity, oh God, to supersede your deity. Where we have <clears throat> thought that somehow you had forgotten us. And yes, I know there's precedent in scripture for that. But God, we should know. You never forget us. Actually, we are the ones that forget you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that you love us. While we were still sinners, Christ died, and that's how you demonstrated your love. So, God, there's nothing that can separate us from that love. Lord, heights nor debts, uh, no, uh, Lord, none of them, things present, things to come. Lord, persecution, nothing, virus, pandemic, lockdown, free up. Father, nothing separates us from your love, and I pray that we remember that as we move forward. God, I just pray that you would continue to help us to live out the way you have called us to live. Lord, that we would recognize the way of wisdom. Lord, and that we would see, Lord, how you are calling us to live. And then we would recognize the benefits 
consider it important, critical, and valuable. Father, I pray this morning for those that have come in who are discouraged. Lord, I pray that they would see your hand, would know your heart. Father, that it would help them, oh God, when they don't see a way out currently, knowing that you've got them. And for the person that comes in and doesn't know you, Father, may today be a turning point in their life. Lord, that they would surrender to you, recognize who you are, and embrace who you are. Father, we pray for those that need your touch of healing and of help. I pray that you would be very strong in their lives. Father, we pray for the family of um, Deborah Brown, Lord, as they said goodbye to their sister yesterday, Sister Arsenia Piles, who is in your presence right now. Father, I pray you would strengthen them continually. Lord, that you would continue to help them to know that you are strong for them and in their lives. I pray that those that don't know you would see you in turn, and those that do would encourage those that don't, but that they would praise you. Father, I pray in the days to come that they would sense your presence and would have your peace as they turn to you. And Father, I pray that you would continually help us to be people of light. Oh God, wise in our ways, loving in how we interact with people. So we commit this time to you and pray that you would help us as we hear the word, that it would just not be information, Father, but it would be that that leads to transformation. We give it all to you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, good morning. Man, it is really good to see everyone. Um, I'll be honest, I don't remember being in front of this many people since our wedding day at this church. <laughs> so that's been about four months. Y'all can forgive me, I'm tall, you know, tall drink of water every week. This morning. Good, good, good. Well, I'm going to need y'all to pray for me. So uh, real quick, I'm going to do a poem uh, that I literally had just wrote um, this month um, called I Walk Away From. Um, and just real quick, it's from a period in my life, but it's still something that is applicable today. And I pray that uh, as I say these words, that you take those things in um, and you apply it to your life as we've been talking about wisdom um, and just ask for you to just pray with me. So there's a song by Jill Scott I remember playing after a heartache. I would listen to it all the time, and she would sing these words, and they'd say, Slowly, surely, I walked away from. Slowly, surely, I walk away from. Then she began explaining what she thought love was, only to realize it wasn't love. And I remember resonating with that so often having to reevaluate my definition of what I thought love was until I met someone different who didn't just tell me the words, I love you, but demonstrated it with his life. Better yet, he solidified it with his sacrifice. And anything less dare compare or come near but didn't reflect his love, I was slowly, surely walking away from them because what was only a counterfeit made no sense because they couldn't change the fact that there was and never will be a greater love than his. But oh, to love like him is to know him. And to know him is the greatest relationship. And his love taught me about true commitment, faithfulness, forgiveness. And even when the enemy would tell me lies, see, it was God who was right there whispering his word, helping me realize to see the illusion of love that never lasted, while helping me see perfect love comes from him and that all good and perfect gifts that he gives huh, never come with regrets. And then when I thought of things that I wanted to the point of almost com uh, compromising for it, I realized only the surface of what true love was. 
That's why I kept searching for it. And then I began reading his love letters to me. His word at times I struggled to see, but understanding its wisdom in time as I applied the knowledge, you know, that Pastor Costin taught us about, I experienced love differently, better yet, intimately. And that, that love saved me. And slowly, surely, I walked away from self-serving, undeserving, constantly hurting me love, deserting me love. And it was God who knew his grace and mercy is what brought me through. And today I stand before you as a witness of God's love who has helped me to stand tall despite my mistakes because I am perfectly and perfectly his. And there is no other reason for this. Even on my greatest day, they are still like filthy rags, apart from Jesus Christ, that is. And yet, while I was still sinning, he died for me just so that I could experience life, you see. But he, he didn't stop there because his resurrection is still the reason I am here. And I'm so grateful to God for his redemptive power that has allowed me to share my story, not as one who has overcome and lives life perfectly, Nah, now that you see me in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a pandemic between sanitation, separation, and virtual salutations, I'm just grateful to God to be walking in my right mind. For some, you see me as a single lady, but now I'm a happily married one. And I'm so thankful to God for bringing me my husband for whom my soul loves. And just like myself, he too is perfectly and perfectly his. And two imperfectly perfect people for one another who has come together even in the midst of our brokenness. There's certainly and surely going to be some things that we need to walk away from, even in marriage. Old habits, things that we can no longer do because we're not single. But because when he put that ring on it, you know what I'm talking about. And we said I do. Commitments changed. Yet the commitment to obey God still remains the same. Now, four months in, God still reminds us daily, whew, we still need him. And that sacrificial love that I was speaking of to demonstrate for each other, his grace and mercy is activated. And I'm not talking about that Jerry Crow activation from coming to America. You know what I'm talking about. But when God in us is activated, see, his love is what makes our soul glue. And that's the sequel worth repeating. So no matter the reason or season that you're in, that you feel you need to walk away from whatever it is, a relationship, addiction, a broken heart, past thoughts, or even a toxic person, including the enemy and your enemy, may you know the power of Jesus' promises to set you free, who died for all of us and surely had the power to walk away from death but rose again. And if you're still looking for that perfect love that you thought you'd never find? Well, look no further because Jesus Christ is right on time. And he stands before you today, knocking on your heart, asking to come in. Why? Because he's a gentleman. So slowly, surely, whatever it is walking away from may seem to be a challenge. Let me encourage you with this, brother and sis. No, you are never alone because God will see you through. And I'm surely certain that it will be his love that can save you too. Amen. I was excited for that. Patrice, my sister, thank you. Now, I know y'all know she wrote that herself. There's many more. I was looking forward to her being able to bless us. Thank you for that encouragement as we continue to move forward. I was asked if I am going to go through every chapter in Proverbs, and the answer is no. That would be 31 weeks, of which we're not going to be in Proverbs that long. But I will be tackling the first 
um, several chapters of Proverbs just because of what they introduce, and then we're going to be highlighting some chapters as we go through it. And so um, the way of wisdom um, is one that I think we need to constantly remind ourselves of, the way of wisdom. It is throughout Scripture, throughout, wisdom is tied, you know, is tied strongly with a relationship with God. Wisdom is tied, when you look at it, especially in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is tied with a relationship with God. Have God, have wisdom. Have wisdom is because you have God. And so that is something that we need to see and learn even as we are going through this. And so this morning, if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 2, and I do hope that you are reading on your own through the Proverbs. And if you need a guide, as I said at the beginning, there are 31 Proverbs in I mean, there are 31 Proverbs, which is one for every day of the month. And so that would mean today that you are on 22. One? 21. Let me get my dates in. 21. <clears throat> you want that as a guide, but turn with me to Proverbs 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing on. I will be going through sections. I prayed earlier for our time in the word, so I am going to jump in. You see, it, it, it shows in your life currently what you give attention to or what you are intentional about. The things in your life that you are intentional about show brilliantly. Now, that is either good or bad. The things that you are intentional about. So if you are intentional about some habits that are not good for you, it will become, if it isn't already, evident in your life. If you are intentional about not doing something about, maybe it's procrastination or Maybe it's overcoming a habit that is hindering. If you are intentional about leaving it alone, it continues to show in your life. And the reverse is actually true. Whatever you are intentional about that helps you or that is good, it shows in your life. And so just like that in everyday life, it is just like that in your pursuit of wisdom. I titled the message today, Are You Pursuing Wisdom or Something Else? Are you pursuing wisdom or something else? Proverbs chapter 2 is kind of one big instruction. One commentator actually said, it, the way it was written in its original form, it is like, the father, because, you know, it is a godly father giving instruction to a son, and it can be a daughter as well. Understand the culture of the son going out and leading now families and in the world, but it is son or daughter that this applies to, but it is as if a godly father takes a deep breath and gives almost this one instruction almost without taking a breath. It is just one thought, and it is a huge if-then instruction. If you do this, then this is what you can expect. And this is not unlike other areas in our life. We've heard that all along, that if you spend the time in the books and doing your classwork and studying correctly, if you spend that time doing that, then you can expect to have grades that reflect it. And you can expect to have a diploma or degree or certificate that comes with that, recognizing that intentionality. You can expect that if 
you pay attention to your relationships and you spend time building them up and pouring into people, you can expect those relationships to be more healthy. If you spend the time developing what it takes to have the career that you desire, whatever it may be, and if you do the things that are healthy and are right in doing that, <clears throat> what ends up happening? You can expect in some form or fashion to have those things in a successful manner. Intentionality has its rewards. Well, what that says to me, though, is when we get to the point where we go, why don't I have what I desire? I have to start to ask questions, included in the whole list of them, about your intentionality in what you're doing. And so that leads us to what we see in chapter 2. He starts off <clears throat> with, I'm going to call the first point, the intentionality of the if. The intentionality of the if. And then we're going to end the second part with the guarantee of the then. Put those in quotes. Is it the if, then? Are you pursuing wisdom or something else? He says, my son. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, let me just stop right there because you would think right after that if that you would hear a then. No, he goes in more. There are more ifs. And so you see his intentionality. As a matter of fact, it gets more and more intense with his ifs. So he goes, if Verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, he's not done yet. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. And I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to get to the then. You see the level of intensity increasing with the if. And the intentionality of the if, here's what I want you to understand and see. If you are to get the then, there must be some ifs first. I think the problem is many of us, I would dare say all of us at some point in time, we want the then without the ifs. We say, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your insight. God, I need your understanding. And they just become words that we pray to God as if he is going to take his wand and hit us over the head ever so slightly, and boom, wisdom appears. I believe we believe that. And boom, knowledge appears. And boom, there you go. You got it. But the scripture tells me something different. The scripture tells me that there is some work involved, even though God is giving something intentionally and he is giving something as a gift. But there is some work involved. There's this paradox of that God is expecting there to be some intense working as he is divinely gifting something to us. And it's not a working for as much it is, is a working out of. You think that's strange? We have the verse that tells us in Philippians to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice it didn't say work for your salvation because you can't do that, but it says to work it out or let there be an outworking of what's been done inside. In other words, do something with what I've given you. And in this particular case, wisdom is that which as I do something, it is revealed what God has given and is giving. So here are the things that the if requires. One, you receive his words. Number one, two, before that, this is, yes, <clears throat> generally speaking, God the Father speaking to us as children, but the context of this is a godly human father 
speaking to a child, meaning a grown child, speaking to a child words of wisdom. Now I know in our culture, once you get a certain age, I'm on my own, I don't want to hear it, don't say anything to me. And I do understand that humanity isn't perfect and so they may make some mistakes. But this is a godly father whose life is um, now what he is trying to get others to be like. So there's no hypocrisy. So it is a godly father sharing it is believed the commands of God to a son, and the expectation is that there would be some receiving of what's being said. Don't let being grown up cause you to miss what God may be saying through another person. You don't have to learn everything the hard way. Oh, we've learned some things the hard way. And some of us still bear the scars of that hard way. But God says to you and I, listen, he said, here is an instruction. And it can be a mother too. It's not saying that mom can't give instructions. Understand again, the culture at that time and that, and that father, dad was the instruction giver. Although mom did as well, dad was seen as the major teacher. Not a bad idea in our homes that our Fathers, our dads are godly people, not just in talk, but in demonstration to the point where when they speak, they're not speaking frivolous things. They're not speaking things that are not um, good and true, but there are things that are not only useful, there are things that are godly. Oh, that we would have dads that can pull aside their sons and say, son, hear my words. Listen to what I'm saying. Understand the commandments I'm giving you, and they be that which God honors. So number one, receive his words, and you accept them as they come. So it says, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, I love this. He says, number one, you receive them, but number two, you treasure them. And that treasure is to store up because it is valuable. We know something about that. Last year, this time, we were trying to store up on toilet paper. That became the big commodity of the year. And right behind toilet paper came sanitizing products, wipes, sanitizing liquid, spray. As a matter of fact, in my house right now, I still have an abundance. I stored up when I could. Stores were limiting. You only get two. Okay, I'll get two this time. And come back around and get two more. We know what it is to treasure up something that's valuable. See, I wasn't looking for <laughs> I wasn't looking for nail remover this time last year. You weren't looking for some of those things that you used to hold value, but what was valuable last year, you stored up on. And what are you saying when it comes to the word of God? Or when it comes to those things that will help you in life, he says, look, my son, if you receive the words, and it is assumed godly words, number two, if they are valuable to you so that you store them up, even if you don't need it right now, you don't reject it, you hold it, you, you do the hard work of putting it in a place where you can get to it when you need it, means you remember it. I may not be able, why are you telling me this right now? I don't need it. God says, you and I store it up. Store it up. Nah, you don't need it right now, but there is going to come a time when you do need it. Put it in a place that you hold as dear and valuable so that when it comes time to pull it back out, you can. So you treasure. And here is how you treasure. He gives you even more intense. He says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. 
God is constantly giving it. We saw it in chapter one. Wisdom is crying out in all the places that people are not expecting her to be. In the marketplace, uh, you know, at the, at the gate, in your daily life, wisdom is being offered because we'll see in a moment it is coming from God. But he says here that when you make your ear attentive, you are saying, I'm making sure that I'm not just hearing audible sounds, but I'm understanding what is being communicated. Work, intention. It's not about hearing a good sermon. It's about taking the words that you hear and now reflecting on them and asking yourself some hard questions. It may even mean when you go home, you're getting into the word for yourself or during the week, you get into the word for yourself to understand what it means for you. That is the ear being attentive. And, it, and when it means inclining the heart, you are making it a requirement. That inclining means to stretch out, to extend. And when it refers to heart, it refers to your character. It refers to that decision-making center of your life. So here's what he's saying. You are treasuring things up when you stretch out beyond what's normal to make sure you understand what you're hearing because you realize it's valuable. Are you doing that? When you hear God's word, when you hear godly instruction, do you blow it off? Do you brush it away? Do you count it as irrelevant? Or do you treasure it? If. Then he says also, if, verse 4, you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Hmm. The two points under that intentionality of if, one, you don't just wait for wisdom to come to you. You go after it. See, the things that you desire, you go after. You don't wait for it to come. When you had a goal in life, and then people say, I got goals. You didn't wait for someone to come and ask you. You went after it. I'll never forget... <clears throat> One of my sons, when we were living overseas and, you know, just as a fun after school sport, because that's what they did over there, they were all learning to ice skate and, and they had ice skating rings all over the place. And it was next to nothing to go and rent. And you'd go there and like all the kids, like many of their friends would be there after school was out, especially on a Wednesday, because Wednesday every week. Some of us would love that. Wednesday there every week was always a half day. You got out at noon every Wednesday and didn't come back until you got into the upper grades. But while you were in elementary school, <clears throat> you got out at noon. And then as you got into the higher grades, you might have had to come back, but you didn't have to come back till four, which I always thought that was crazy because if they did that here, they wouldn't have anybody coming back. But kids can, kids actually came back, minded too. But one of the things that they did was ice skating. And then as an extra attraction, you could get them into next to nothing, this league. And it was a learning league for ice hockey. You know, ice hockey. How many of us were in ice hockey? Not a lot. But picked it up. And after they picked it up, one of my sons said, I want to get better at this. Okay. And so they offered these practices <clears throat> twice a week. And then if you really got serious, they offered it on Saturday morning with the semi-pro um, league guys um, coming out to encourage them. But if you were good enough in the practice, this was a feeder system, you could make the team. And so I remember him coming up to me and saying, I want to make the team. I was like, wow, that's a pretty lofty goal there, buddy. You, I mean, he couldn't skate at all when we got there, just like his dad. He couldn't skate at all. 
As a matter of fact, when they were practicing the ice hockey, it was funny to watch all the different kids that couldn't skate, and they gave them the stick, and the hockey stick was actually keeping them upright, because that's what was holding them up, was the hockey stick. And I said, you know what that means? That means going to practice three times a week, including Saturday mornings, which I know you ain't going to, he said, I'm willing to do it. And there were a few Saturdays where it was tough, but we made it, and we got out there, and it was tough for me, because I was the one that was taking them there. I didn't want to get up and go either. But he kept going and kept going. And I was wondering, man, because you just can't walk up and say, I want to be a part of the team. It was literally by invitation only. And so there weren't very Americans, and there surely weren't very many Americans, actually, and he was the only American of color on the team, which leads to at the very last day of the ice hockey school, the feeder system where they train you, he came running over to me, eyes big, and said, Dad, the coach invited me to be on the team. I said, man, that's exciting. What was even more exciting, he didn't even realize, is that the coach was communicating with him in German, and he was back and forth. I'm, I'm sitting there listening. I was like, you got two successes here, but okay. I'm not going to talk about the second one, that you and this guy are communicating in his language, not ours. But that day, it was a goal realized. Why? Because he went after it. He didn't wait well, maybe I'll just be asked. No, he put himself in a position. And for some of us, we are seeking the wisdom of God and we aren't going after anything. And all it is, is talk. You really don't want wisdom. You want to say you want it so that you feel good that I said to God, I want wisdom. But if I'm not doing that which it requires to be in a position for God to give his wisdom, how can I say I want it? He says, you seek for it as silver. Now understand, that was the precious metal of the day. You're on a treasure hunt. If I told you back behind this building was about $5 million worth of gold bullion buried in the ground, y'all would tear it up back there. I don't think I'd be able to finish the service with anyone in here. Most of you would hand it back, and you would say, where is it? I don't know. You got to go look for it. I just know that they said that there's about $5 million worth of bullion buried back there somewhere. The issue is when it becomes precious and valuable, you seek it. And the reason wisdom is not sought or is not displayed is that we don't see it as valuable, at least not godly wisdom. And so the intentionality, he says, you seek it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Now, understand that. Everything you handle intentionally gets the opportunity for success. And everything you handle randomly gets the opportunity for failure in your life. You just randomly handle it. Let me ask you, that career you got today? Because some of us will say, well, I get into God's word sometimes. I do it occasionally. Fill in the blank. Did you become the blank you are today by doing it randomly and sometimes? Whatever it is that you are doing, whatever the career or the skill or the level of expertise you had, did it come by you doing it sometimes? Did you pass that class by going to it sometimes? Did you earn that degree by applying yourself sometimes? Did you develop that relationship by attending to it sometimes? Why do we think it's going to be any different with the Lord? 
We think God is going to zap us and one day I'm going to feel like doing it. And the truth is, no, you won't. I've been told on the days that you feel least like doing it is the day that you need it most. When I got back on this workout regimen, my, telling you there were some mornings, I put some, um, some things in place and that I had to be at the gym in the morning by this time. And there are some mornings, especially when it was cold and when it was nasty. As a matter of fact, this last day where it was raining and pouring and was nasty, that was supposed to be one of the days I was going to be there. And I was really thinking about punting. I'll do this later. And I just thought, mm, I need to get up. And I dragged myself in there. And about 15 minutes in, I'm going, I'm so glad I attended to this. And for some of us, it's like that with prayer. It's like that with allowing God to change us. It's like that with breaking old habits. It's like that with studying his word. It's like that with being godly in ungodly environments. You may least, you may feel like least doing it. Least, I don't want to do it. God says, do it anyway, because you got goals. You're trying to get somewhere in me. Then he gets to then. And I'm not going to go verse by verse on the then. We're going to go in chunks here. He says, here's the then that happens, the guarantee of the then. If the ifs are a part of your life, then the thens can be expected. Number one, he says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you remember what he said the fear of the Lord was in chapter one, it is the most, it is at the foundation of your relationship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning. And so as you are allowing all those ifs to be a part of your life, then you can begin to expect wisdom to be demonstrated through you. He says, then you will understand or you will grasp what it means to fear the Lord. The reason we don't have a lot of people understanding or grasping what it means to fear the Lord is because there are no ifs happening in their life. You can't understand it. He said, you will understand the basic foundations of wisdom and find the knowledge you need. Why? Why will you do that? Because here it is, statement of the whole chapter, for the Lord gives wisdom. And I love that. That is the all caps Lord, Yahweh, the covenant keeping God, the one who keeps his promises, gives wisdom. Well, if he gives it, why don't I have it? Because there are no ifs happening in your life. That's why I don't have it. It's not because God doesn't give it. It's not because God is stingy with it. It's that God's not making it easy. And he is saying, there's some work involved if you want this. What work are you willing, what work are you willing to put in? And so then he says, too, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Do you see the guarantee on your life if you do the work that God wants for wisdom, for him now to say, here's the wisdom that you want. Understand, it doesn't come by God supernaturally zapping you. It comes through a process of you receiving, treasuring, inviting, valuing what God has given on a daily basis. Every time you are doing that. And then what happens, what ends up happening is when the situation comes that you need God to speak, he's spoken already. You've been listening. You've been storing. So you respond. Remember when I said for chapter one, wisdom is preparatory in nature. 
It's preparing you for what's coming up. And so if you don't store it up, that's like me keep saying, I need to save money for a rainy day. I need to save money for a rainy day. I need to save money for a rainy day. That rainy day comes, you've saved no money. Guess what? <laughs> You're stuck. Because you kept talking and you never started doing. And so God says to you and I, look, I store up wisdom for the upright. I'm a shield. I protect those who walk in integrity. And just in case you don't know, let me give you just a very basic definition of integrity. Integrity is who you are when no one's looking. In other words, that is you, you, you are who you say you are. In other words, there's no mask wearing. There's no hypocrisy. What you see is who I am. And we can be the maskers of masquerading. I read a meme just the other day. I'm not sure why Christians are so opposed to wearing masks. The church, we've been wearing them for years. I was like, ouch. Whoa. And so for us, he says, the person who walks in their integrity God says, I'm protecting. God, why aren't you protecting me? Because you live in anyhow. And then he says there too, and that he is guarding the paths of those that live right. Then he goes on down and explains what wisdom will do. And this is what you need to understand. And this is the benefit for you at the end. He says, the guarantee of the then is, verse 10, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul because you've been practicing receiving it. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Understand, is, is this some sort of spirit that's going to walk behind you and come up on you? And no. You've been learning and practicing discretion by obeying God's word. That's why it guards you. You've been gaining understanding by, by, by treasuring up what God says. And so now you know what to, you can read people. People think, how do you know that? You can know it too if you would attend yourself to God's word and hold it as valuable. And so he says, it'll protect you. And here's what it will protect you from. Wow. It will protect you and help you to discern between the evil people and those that are good and godly in our world, because you will be around all of them all the time. And sometimes, initially, it's hard to distinguish between them. Some things you must understand and know so that you can discern between the two. Story of the wheat and the tares. We hear that in scripture. We don't understand the depth of that analogy because we're not in that society of a wheat and a tare. They look the same. Actually, they do. They look the same on the outside. The, the biggest difference is with the wheat, that wheat kernel is on the inside of the plant. And the tear is a weed, it has nothing there, but they look the same. Which is why in the scripture it says, leave them alone, because they say, hey, there's some tares that have grown up in the garden. The gardener says, leave it alone, because you may uproot some wheat, not being able to distinguish. In other words, your discerning is not as good as it needs to be. But I know. And he says, one of the distinguishes, I was reading this one article about, about wheat and tares. One of the differences, especially in that Mideastern society, was that a wheat, because of the weight of the wheat kernels inside of it, it hung almost as if it was bowing. I was like, Lord, if that ain't a message. It hung over, and the tear stood up. And I'm going, if that ain't a picture of God's person and not. The person who has something, Christ, in them, 
is humbly bowing before the Lord, who they are inside causes them to bend before the sun. And the tear, mm-mm, I'm just as straight and as proud as can be. I ain't got nothing in me, but I'm standing up straight. I thought that was really interesting. Here's the deal. Here's the deal for us. He says he protects. He causes you to discern. Discern in what? One of the ways they talk about here is the adulteress. He says, it causes you, son, to know the kind of people you should be around and you shouldn't. And as a matter of fact, it gives in specific detail that person who falls into adultery, he says here, they don't understand what they don't understand. They don't understand what she's about, where she's going, what she leads to. Now, once again, in this culture is man to woman because the flip side couldn't happen as much back then because the woman would be killed. But it can happen the reverse as well. And so this is in any situation, you get into those kinds of situations when you don't think deeply and thoroughly about what you're getting into. And you surely don't think godly. And it says, you don't understand the end of it. You go into what is forbidden. And you forsake that which has helped you. It says, you will go away from that which is evil. You will be able to understand it. And then it says, verse 20, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. He says, look, you want to live a good life? What are you intentionally doing? You want to be, under, you want to be able to distinguish between evil and good? You want to be able to do that? He says, what are you intentionally doing now? What are you learning? What are you putting into practice? What do you treasure? And the question I asked in the beginning, what are you pursuing? See, many of us are pursuing everything except, or everything with intention, except the wisdom of God. But we want the wisdom of God out of life. And I would say to you, are you really looking for wisdom? Or are you just talking about it to make yourself feel good that at least I'm talking about wisdom? That's like the person that says, well, at least I'm going to church on Sunday. But life does not reflect God having control of your life at all. At least I own the Bible. At least I know who the pastor is. As if that does something for you. What are you pursuing? Understanding that once you get wisdom, it transforms every area of your life. I wonder sometimes if we think, if I start to get into this wisdom, God's going, he's going to take away some stuff I really want to do. And, 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 and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And I don't want him to do it. That conversation in and of itself is problematic. Because you are saying, I know what's best for me above anyone else. And God says, you don't. You can't even see half the things that are coming your way right now. You don't know what's going to happen. Last year this time, I was planning to go to a 40th anniversary high school reunion. Hadn't been to one since my 10th. And so I was going to go to the 40th, and we had planned, and we had, and we had everything. We had all, hotel and all, right at this time. And as we started to look at the news and started to wonder, I'm like, hmm, I don't even know that I want to go right now. They hadn't, you know, and they hadn't yet locked down. This was a few weeks past, and then we began to hear the reports, and it did. And then the chat group from my high school class started to talk about, okay, maybe we can have it in a smaller venue. Maybe we can do, maybe we can do. And then the one brother um, who I graduated with who owned his own business and he was going to host us for the dinner afterwards, got sick with COVID. 
in less than two weeks in died. And we were like, whoa, hold on, what? We all was just like, oh my gosh, wait a minute, y'all, hold on. We can't do this. We didn't see that coming. Not on our worst day. And so to think that you know what's best for you and that you can sidestep God is crazy when you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so for us, he says, listen, I give wisdom. Do you want it? I protect those who walk uprightly. Will you live it? I store up wisdom for those that live right. Are you going to get it? See, the issue becomes for you and I. Here's the issue for you and I. God says, I've got it all waiting for you. You just have to pursue it. How bad do you want it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Oh, Lord, you show us so much what we really pursue. God, you show us what's really important to us. God, you reveal to us our hearts and what we are really thinking. Lord, you promised this kind of life that you promised in Proverbs 2 is amazing, but it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy. God, it is your divine gift but you desire us to pursue and to work in order to experience it. And Father, I pray that we treasure it, value it, see it as more than relevant so that we would chase after your wisdom. Father, I pray that we would not allow the distractions of our world to become more important. And I know we have. I have done that myself, Lord. But I pray that we would see this treasure that you've given as just that treasure. And that we would practice what you want us to so that we can see it being demonstrated in our lives. Father, we know you love us and that you pursue us. And yet you want us to pursue you. Help us, O oh Lord, to know what we are pursuing. And if it's not you, to let you change it in our lives. Change us, Lord. Transform us. Help us to pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I do pray that you take some time there's so much more that we could have gone over in that, um, but that wasn't the intent. This was not meant to be an exhaustive study of chapter two, but it was meant to ask you a question that I pray you answer. Are you pursuing wisdom or something else? This morning, if you are here and you have not been pursuing God's wisdom, um, I do pray that you allow the Lord to show you how to get back on track. And if you would like to talk to some of us, we'd be glad to, to be able to talk with you, but you'd be able to get alone and to see where you're off track and allow the Lord to help you back. If you have not even started that relationship with God, today is a great day to start that. If you have never trusted Christ as Savior, meaning that you acknowledge that you are a sinner, that he is the only one that can forgive those sins and that he's made it available through Jesus Christ. And if you embrace that, repenting of your sins, you can now be one of God's children. If you've never done that, you can do that today. If you're watching or if you're here. And by doing that, I guarantee you, that's an if then that will change your life. If you will give and surrender to Jesus, then you will experience a life that you never imagined. I'm not talking about God's going to get yours. This is not about material. 
but he'll help you to enjoy the material you currently have and any that he'll give you. See, the issue becomes Christ wants to be head of your life, directing your life and valuable in your life. Will you let him? Father, today, I pray that you would help us to love you more than anything so that we would live like you intended us to live. In Christ's name, amen.